Greetings and welcome to the audio version of the 25th issue of Sake Industry News. World Sake Day is finally here. From all of us at Sake Industry News, we wish you all the best for World Sake Day. You don't need us to tell you what a crazy year it's been for the sake industry and the rest of the world, but for this day at least, let's do our best to focus on the good. And that is, there's still a load of great sake out there and there's still plenty of dedicated brewers and promoters bringing this wonderful beverage to us all over the world. So on this day, we raise a glass to everyone in the industry and to all the drinkers that keep this fascinating, awe-inspiring, and glorious industry alive. Kampai. And finally, if you've got nothing else to do, check out the video uh, for which you can find a link in the email version of Sake Industry News. You'll see some of the industry's finest brewers showing off their questionable, dubious dancing talents. And if that doesn't put you in a good mood for Sake Day Party, we don't know what will. And now for some news. Firstly, a note from the editor. Please note that in our previous issue, an article regarding Naomi Osaka's involvement with the Soto Sake Project contained some ambiguous wording, which may have been interpreted to read that Soto Sake is an American-made product. For clarification, Soto Sake is produced entirely in Japan in Niigata Prefecture. For our first story this time, we talk about Sake Flavor Database that has been launched. A new app is joining the market to help consumers identify sake that suits their own tastes. Sake Noa was developed by Aido Systems and, de- and offers free data compiled by consumers for commercial and non-commercial use. The app works as a community-generated database. Users of the app enter information on sake that they tasted to the database which groups flavor in six categories, aroma, richness, volume, mellowness, lightness, and dryness, to create a tasting chart. Finer details describing flavors can also be hashtagged. Popularity rankings and basic information of each brand is also available. There are currently 3,094 sake registered in the app and 2,526 hashtags describing various flavor traits of sake. Of the sake registered in the app, Approximately 933 brands have complete data with descriptions, hashtags, and a complete flavor chart. Users can search for sake by brand and also by flavor profile. The CEO of Aido Systems, Akira Uede, said, We've created an extensive and reliable database. Because this data is compiled by consumers for consumers, it is more easily relatable than complex tasting notes written by professionals. Retailers can also use the chart to describe sake in their fridges as well as use ranking data to gauge which sake are popular with consumers. Sake can be searched for by brand or by flavor profile to find a sake of a specific style. Currently, there are estimated to be about 5,000 core active users and the monthly visit numbers are around 50,000. Indeed, tech knows no bounds. However, it does seem easy to use and like something might actually catch on. Let's hope so. Next, just south of Tokyo in Kanagawa Prefecture, drone technology is assisting in rice farming. Popular brewery Izumibashi has stepped firmly into the new age by implementing drone assistance to monitor the growth and condition of the Kura's rice fields. Kanagawa Prefecture and Keio University are also assisting the brewery in this new approach to precision agriculture using IT and other technologies. On September 3rd, drones flew over the brewery's Yamada Nishiki fields and recorded pictures and video growth of stock ears. 
the drones are fitted with a camera that is able to capture various wavelengths of red and green light that are reflected by the leaves and stalks as well as near-infrared data. When photosynthesis is occurring vigorously, the red light is absorbed and near-infrared is reflected, allowing the farmers to see which area of the field is undergoing healthy photosynthesis. According to Izumibashi, an overly active photosynthesis will increase protein in rice, which in turn causes unwanted flavor in sake. Traditionally, such checks were carried out manually and were gauged by the experience of the farmer. But going forward, the brewery hopes to use scientific data to control growth. Rice fields are divided into 30 plots, which will be analyzed individually at each growth stage. Later, they will check the quality of the harvest against the gathered data to understand the best way to use the information in the future. Yuichi Hashiba, the president of Izumibashi, said, We are a brewery that brews sake and grows rice. Now we have another method to improve our rice quality and, in turn, sake quality. Until now, we relied only on our experience to best manage rice growth, but now we can move forward with this new technology. I have personally seen great video footage of these drones in action, and they do seem to be a great labor-saving device. I'm sure other rice producers will start to use these fairly soon. Next, Dasai is bringing back the nightlife. In Tokyo, Asahi Shuzo will be opening its latest venture, a Dasai-themed pop-up bar in the chic Tokyo suburb of Marunouchi. Originally, the brewery planned on setting up the bar as a stylish venue for visitors to the Tokyo Olympics. However, with the Olympics postponed due to COVID, the plan was shelved. The bar was then reconsidered as part of the Bring Back the Tokyo Nightlife campaign, designed to reinvigorate the bar and restaurant scene in the wake of the financial turndown from COVID. The small bar is located on the seventh floor dining area of the Shin Marunouchi building overlooking the cityscape and will offer a wide range of Dasai products. Drinkers will be free to roam about the floor and onto the outside terrace as weather permits. Asahi Shuzo plans on keeping the bar running for 18 months. Marunouchi is an extremely easily accessible place, and again, kudos to Asahi Shuzo for making the most of a challenging situation. They do that again and again. I can't wait to get to the bar. Next, we head down to the southernmost island of Japan's main four, Kyushu, where a peculiar smell is coming out of Kyushu. In Fukuoka Prefecture, a new release from Yamano Kotobuki Shuzo is gaining attention for its distinctive aroma not found in many other sake. Yamano Kotobuki Freaks 2 is a follow-up to Yamano Kotobuki Freaks, which was brewed under a different concept from the traditional Yamano Kotobuki. The sake is noted for featuring an aroma compound known as 4-MMP, widely considered a new aroma component for sake. 4-MMP stands for 4-Mercapto-4-Methylpentan-2-1. 4-MMP has been known to appear in white wine, mainly Sauvignon Blanc, and some hop-driven craft beer, and is identified by bright, fresh aromas of grapefruit and muscat grapes. Those that were able to taste the sake prior to its release described the sake as totally different from traditional Nihonshu and tasting of fresh, watery muscat grapes, similar to wine. 
This kind of thing is genuinely interesting to me and will be to other geeks as well. I'm sure we will soon hear brewers and other tasters drop the 4MMP buzzword soon, like we hear the 4VG buzzword these days. Next, we'll talk about sake and cheese, the perfect match realized. In Wakayama Prefecture, cheese and sake is a pairing that many have been lauding for quite a while. And now a cheesemaker in Wakayama Prefecture is pushing the concept even further as he aims to create the perfect cheese for sake, made, of course, using sake lees. Yoshitomi Miyamoto is the owner of Capando Fromage, a cheese specialty store. He obtained his cheese sommelier qualification in 2008 and opened his own store in 2014. Last autumn, he began working on cheese made for sake after being invited to an event conducted by Kobe Shushinkan, a brewery in Nada, held to promote consumption of sake lees and their use in cooking. Miyamoto's first prototype was released in February, but he felt the flavor of the cheese to be too rich for the elegant flavor of sake lees and pulled the product. He then started to use milder French and German cheeses as a base, and that seemed to work better with sake. To create his original cheese, Miyamoto coated the cheese with sake lees and cacao butter and left it to mature for 20 days in cedar barrels in order to gain a mild cedar aroma reminiscent of a wooden masu, similar to the way French cheesemakers mature cheese in wine barrels. Miyamoto is currently in talks with a prominent sake brewery to put together a sake and cheese set they hope will be served at the Nobel Prize winners' festivities scheduled to be held in December. Many people see the potential of sake and cheese pairings. Certainly, this will bring more attention to that. The sake made by Kobe Shushinkan, by the way, is called Fukuju. Next, we have an update on hop-infused sake for Fukushima. In Fukushima Prefecture, as reported in our last issue, a new enterprise is coming to Minamisoma City in Fukushima Prefecture in the form of a brewery that will be producing a new style of sake made with hops. The company behind the project is Hakoba, with funds for the project generated through crowdfunding site Makuake. Although the brewery's official launch is set for February 2021, test batches will be available to funders in the coming months. Minami Soma City became completely uninhabited after the nuclear power disaster of 2011. Although public transportation services and retail businesses are slowly coming back to the area, the population is still only about one-third of what it was pre-disaster. Hakoba is hoping to become a part of this new community for locals and visitors, with sake set to be a conduit to encourage discussions of social issues. Hakoba plans on utilizing traditional sake brewing techniques, but with a freestyle approach more associated with the craft beer movement. The company has obtained a license to produce what's known as miscellaneous alcoholic beverages and not actual seishu, meaning that the product will fall outside of the honshu category, although with hops as an ingredient, we kind of saw that coming. The hop-infused sake is actually based on traditional methods used in the Tohoku region many years ago, known as hanamoto. This method was used in domestic production of sake and involved using hops early in the fermentation stage as a natural preservative to prevent spoiling. However, this method all but disappeared once homemade doboroku brewing was outlawed. There is currently no brewery in Japan using the Hanamoto method and Hakoba hopes to recreate the tradition. 
Even if it is not legally sake, I can't wait to hop on down to the local liquor store and give this stuff a try when it becomes available. Next, we have some industry stirrings. Aichi Prefecture Brewers Association and radio station ZIP-FM have collaborated on a project specially for International Sake Day. With the cooperation of 25 breweries from the region, a collaborative sake, Akizake Zoroe, has been released. Each participating kura brewed its own Akizake for the project and then labeled it with a shared Akizake Zoroe label. Sets were available in randomly selected 3, 6, and 12 bottle sets, as well as a full 25 bottle set. This is the first time the Aichi Brewers Association has worked together on such a project. Unfortunately, although fortunately for those in the breweries, the sets have all been completely sold out. In past years, ZIP-FM has held an Akizake Festival on October 1 to commemorate Sake Day, but this year opted to organize a special release rather than attempt to hold a festival in the current climate. And for our last article of this issue, we have a Kuramoto introduction, Nambu Bijing. Welcome to a new addition to Sake Industry News, the Kuramoto introduction. This will replace the Kura profile section that was part of SIN until now. While it might be easy to assume that it's just six of one, half dozen of another, in truth, we hope this section will give a more well-rounded introduction of each brewery we cover, including history, the brewer, the toji, the basic style of the brands they produce, and a bit of color as well. The goal of all of this is to make you want to try their sake once you have a feel for the place. We will bounce around Japan with this, introducing well-known brewers and lesser-known brewers, big and small, and what other significant variations there might be. We hope you enjoy this enhanced section of our newsletter. Be sure to let us know. So, we will begin with Nambu Bijin Shuzo of Iwate Prefecture, the brewers of Nambu Bijin Sake. The company has been in existence since 1902 and is headed by Mr. Kosuke Kuji, the fifth generation of his family, to run what is now the eponymous Nambu Bijin Shuzo. In truth, we had interviewed Kuji-san at the end of last brewing season. However, our publishing schedule became a bit backed up and we never got around to putting that interview in the newsletter. Since it seemed incongruous to publish something about last season, as we are just embarking on a new one, we decided to take this opportunity and shift our content a bit. This Kuramoto introduction section of SIN will take form and shape as time goes on, but for the first shot, Kujisan is a great choice. First, a bit about the region. The brewery is located in the city of Ninohe in the northern part of Iwate, pretty close to Aomori Prefecture. The whole area was long ago under the jurisdiction of a family named Nambu, and in fact that is the former name of Iwate Prefecture. Also the, arguably, most significant toji guild in Japan, the Nambu Toji, are from here and take the old name of the region as well. So yes, Nambu Bijin is brewed by a Nambu Toji in the land originally known as Nambu. The Kura. The Kura building itself is 160 years old and was in fact owned by another family and used for making miso when the Kuji family bought it in 1902. It has a typically sprawling layout, with some special qualities being the well from which the water is drawn, being just inside the entrance. But their success of late has meant that they have outgrown that brewery and cannot make any more sake in it. So they built and opened a second brewery a short drive away in a neighborhood called Basenkyo. The amazing thing about all this was that it was the first new license granted by the local tax authorities in 30 years. The owner. Kosuke Kuji is the fifth generation president of Nambu Bijin Shuzo. 
He's bursting with energy, lightheartedness, positivity, and he talks a mile a minute. Like many of his brewery-owning colleagues of their generation, he graduated from Tokyo Agricultural University and is very, very tech-savvy. You can meet him and learn more about him by watching the movie Kampai for the love of sake. The Toji. The current Toji at the main brewery is Mr. Junji Matsumori of the Nambu Guild. He took over from Hajime Yamaguchi, who was one of the most famous Toji of his time, who had been there since 1951. Matsumori Toji has already established his prowess as a brewer, having won six consecutive gold medals in the Nationals. That's no mean feat. Water, rice, and yeast. Nambubijin is fairly isolated, with the closest brewery being an hour away, and the water source is different from the others in the region. The well itself is quite shallow, like 10 meters, and the water provides is a bit on the hard side in terms of mineral content, at least compared to most sake breweries in the area. This leads to a fairly vigorous and fast fermentation, but it is incredibly pure and it sees no filtration at all before use. It goes right from the well to the tanks. Most of the rice, 80% of it, is grown within the prefecture with just a little bit of Yamadanishiki, Omachi, and Ayama, all rice that's grown in Western Japan for a few of their products. They use a wide range of yeasts and in fact lean heavily toward the more aromatic yeast strains, perhaps more than the average brewery. Production. The company brews about 3,500 koku yearly, which, at 180 liters per koku, is about 630 kiloliters. This has grown about 30% over the last 20 years or so in an industry where consumption overall has contracted significantly across the same period. The sake is all handmade with almost no machines involved and is split across the true brewing facilities. Recent technical developments include pasteurizing all their sake in bottle, as opposed to before bottling, flash cooling the bottles after that, and then storing all their sake at minus 5C. Not just the namazake, but all of their sake is stored at minus 5C. The differences are huge, emphasizes Kujisan, referring to storing at minus 5C versus the plus 15C as most breweries do. The sake itself. Nambu Bijin sake has plenty of consistency running through the product line of 80 or so products, which includes their seasonal products. When asked to describe his sake, Kujisan replied, Abstractly speaking, it's lighthearted sake that makes one smile. More concretely, it's fresh, fruity, and juicy with a quick finish. Indeed, for the most part, it is youthful, light, and quaffable. It represents the Tohoku style, which is the style of sake from the northern part of Japan, very well. Most of it is only matured a few months, which contributes to that style. With the exception of one or two tanks of kimoto, made specially by Kujisan's younger brother, they make no Yamahaya kimoto, as it does not fit in with their style. Furthermore, Nambu Bijin sake is the kind of sake that does very well in contests. From the Japan National New Sake Competition to IWC competitions and others, they are a well-decorated company. Nambu Bijin also makes a few special products. They were the second brewery to make a certified kosher product and the first company in the world to make a certified vegan sake, which all of their products are. Once other breweries realized how easy it is, since sake is so close to being vegan anyway, many other breweries followed suit. They also make a lot of Nihonshu-based umeshu, or plum sake, and while not legally sake, it is very enjoyable. Why in the world would a brewer want to make kosher sake and vegan sake? Kujisan explains, most of the people that enjoy sake overseas have some connection to Japan already. 
I want to help sake be enjoyed by people outside of that group. And one of the walls to bring down was religious restriction by having a certified kosher product that is no longer a problem. Kosher came first, after which someone in the U.S. asked why he doesn't make a vegan product as well. This got him thinking, and he followed through and made that happen. And now, he continued, one dietary restriction barrier to enjoying sake has been removed as well. The effects of COVID. As they are primarily a premium sake producer, they were initially hit hard by COVID. Shipments from the brewery dropped about 20% in April and May. They have, however, slowly recovered to close to normal. Exports, too, dropped hugely, but exports to Asian countries have returned. But for other places like the U.S. and Europe, the recovery has been much slower. Other notes. Kujisan expends a lot of effort on online events and promotion, much of it good-natured and entertaining fun, together with other brewery owners. He notes that, Look, over the centuries, our industry has been through many, many things, other pandemics, and worse, and we have always survived. If we just grumble and complain, nothing will happen. We need to show the sake-loving world that we are energetic and enthusiastic in spite of it all. The company currently exports about 20% of the production to countries all over the world. And that wraps up this edition of Sake Industry News. Again, happy International Sake Day to everybody. Please enjoy it with a glass of sake by your side. We'll talk to you in another two weeks.